In Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, Bible scholar, New Testament scholar, Daryl Bach, who specializes in the writings of Luke, he says this. He says, this parable is the most entertaining of all of Jesus' parables. So, let's be entertained. It starts like this. And Jesus told them a parable about the need to pray always and to not lose heart. Pray always and don't lose heart. And here's the story. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. He's a jerk. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him saying, grant me justice against my opponent. And while he refused, but, and, and he refused, but later he said to himself, you know what? I have no fear of God and I don't respect anyone, but yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice that she may not wear me out because she continually comes to me. And then the Lord says this, could you just listen to that unjust judge? Did you hear him? Okay. Will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Yeah, he will. Will he delay long in helping them? No, he won't. I tell you this. He will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, is he going to find faith on earth? Will he? Let's look a little more in the details of this story so we can appreciate it. A little, just the humor, if nothing else, but the message, especially the widow. The widow is the classic symbol of the most vulnerable adult in, in this era, right? As, as a woman, she can't even go to court. It's a men's only club. And so she doesn't, clearly she doesn't have a husband, but she doesn't have a father or a brother, a nephew. She doesn't have anyone to represent her. And she is absolutely exposed and vulnerable. And so in other words, Jesus, I think maybe, hey, for the first time, Jesus invents the damsel in distress. That's one of our characters. The other one, it's Judge Jerk, okay? It, it, he, it is described, here he's, he's described, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected or, or had respect for people. He didn't fear God. It means he kind of really wasn't in justice. It wasn't accountable to anything higher than himself. He had no respect for people. That means he didn't care about people and he didn't care what people thought about him. And in the Middle East even today, but back then, if you combine no fear of God and no respect for people, what you get is the man has no shame. He has, this, this judge jerk has no shame in a culture that's shame-based. He doesn't have anything to motivate him ethically or culturally. He's going to do whatever he wants. He's just a jerk. And when he's, like, negotiating what he should do with this widow, he runs, he runs it through the only filter he has because he doesn't have an ethical one. He doesn't have a cultural one. And so this is what he says to himself in verse 4. Later, he says to himself, though I have no fear of God nor respect for anyone, me being a jerk and all, I wonder what I should do. Oh, yeah, it's always about me wonder what I should do. And so the passage continues, and it just says, she keeps on bothering me. She, she's wearing me down, the verse says, and she's going to continue coming after me. And so he says, look, what's in it for Judge Jerk? I just, I just want some quiet. That's it. 
I'm just, I just want, I just, I don't care about justice. I don't care about my reputation. I don't care about people. I just want to shut her up. That's what he does. So, I mean, the summer, I mean, kind of in a modern version or a summary of the story is, you know, alone against all odds, this damsel in distress is fighting, you know, the impossible odds of finding justice in a courtroom where there is no morals. So she does whatever she has to do. She does the only thing she can do, persistent, loud, continual nagging. Justice, 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 justice. Any of you moms catching on to this yet? Justice, justice. And then, you know, Judge Jerk says, okay, I got it. You can have it. I just want to be out of this pain. And so he gives her what she wants. And the point is, not because he's just, not because he's kind, he just wants a little peace and quiet. That's it. That's all, that's all that motivates him. Kind of a funny parable when it's talking about Jesus and justice. So what's the truth that is revealed in this story? Jesus is kind of making fun of us. He's saying, come on, just come on. I mean, if you look at this unjust judge giving out justice, right, to innocence, how much more? Yahweh. How much more is God going to give justice to those who, yeah, nag him, continually pray to him? He's better. He's more loving. He's easier than this jerk judge. And he's saying, don't stop praying. And you be confident because of the nature of God in contrast to this judge, you be confident justice will prevail. He's asking us to pray without ceasing about justice, justice towards, right, towards people that are taking advantage of people. Nag, nag. He's asking us to nag the Father for the sake of those who, who have been mistreated. He's saying, nag, not this judge jerk, but the great I am. That's his punchline. That's what he's trying to tell us in this cute little story. He's like, he's, you know, he's, he's telling us, he's saying he's talking to like us like little children. Look, if that's what a bad guy can do, how much could I, a loving father, bring you, right? Let's, he's saying, let's talk about justice. Justice is used in verse 3 and 5 and 7. That's the theme here. So come on, let's talk about it. And Jesus is saying, God will bring vindication. God will bring vindication to all those who cry out for it. God will bring vindication for all of those who cry out for it because this parable teaches three things. It teaches that God is just. Verse 7, and will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Yahweh is just. He has to be. He cannot be anything but just. That is the essence of who God is. No one will ever say that God is not just. And you know, honestly, in our culture, we don't, we don't take advantage of what has been actually with all of human history with the exception of the last maybe 150 years. We should brag about the justice of God that is eminent and absolute like we, like we brag about the love of God. 
because, it, because it's true and it's the thing that we need to hold out for. His love is just, and his just is love. And we should brag about that. We should find peace in that. We should know that, that God has to be just. Justice means this. Justice means that there will absolutely be a final settlement. And God, in his wisdom and his all-knowing, he knows every secret, every motive, and every action that every single person has ever done. He knows that completely, and justice will be complete. People will receive the words from God in his justice, well done, my good and faithful servant. Other people will receive injustice, in love. Your life is burned up. You have nothing to show for eternity. Jesus is coming in and he's telling us, he's mocking us because we worry about his about whether or not God is just or not. And he's saying, look, 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 there will be justice. Absolutely. Look, <laughs> if, in, if, a, if a helpless woman can nag a, a jerk of a judge into submission, how much more, how much easier, how much more loving would it be with Yahweh? For, so those of you that have experienced injustice, this, this, this parable, you should cherish the truth of this parable because all things are going to be made right, and those who have, are wicked will, will answer for that. And, and, and those of you, when you read this parable, you should know this because of the justice of God, that he rewards men and women who live righteous lives. He has to. He has to. Another sentence, another way of describing justice and God's justice is everybody's going to get what they deserve. Everyone will get what they deserve because God, with his clear and full, absolute knowledge of all things about what we do and why we do the things that we do, he's going he's gonna to reward us for that. He, he, there's no, no one knows what goes on behind closed doors, right? It was an old country, country western song forever ago. Yeah, God does. He knows what's going on back there. And Jesus is saying, look, 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 look. Yahweh is not some jerk of a judge, you know? And so you should always pray. All, his application is you should be always petitioning him so that you can have peace, so that you can rest. We live so much, so much of our life in tension, and he's just saying, no, no, you can have peace and rest if you have faith in his justice. Look, right, some of you know this verse. It's in Hebrews. It says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the conviction of things not seen. That's not abstract. What is something that you hope for? Justice. What is a conviction? What, what, wouldn't you love to have a conviction of things not seen? What do you not see? I don't see vindication. And Jesus is saying, look, this is how you apply particular faith. This is what you have your faith in, that he is better than some judge jerk. Oh, he's going to bring absolute justice. And so, like, rest, have peace, but go ahead and nag. <laughs> go ahead and nag God about it. How do you know if you don't have faith in the justice of God? Simple diagnostic. How do you know? You meditate on revenge. You find yourself drifting into being vindictive. 
There, I'm not certain about vindication from God, and so that's what I'll spend my thought life thinking about. You, you don't. You think you, here's what's happening deeper in that. You think Yahweh is. This is what Jesus is saying. Okay, you think Yahweh is less than this judge jerk. Judge jerk is right up here, and Yahweh's down here, and so you live dwelling on revenge. Very common for Christians to do this. Live in bitterness and unresolved, you know, anger, and and because of something that happened to them, you know, your boss, your ex something, right? Or you're a victim of an evil person, and it just keeps stewing and simmering. And the anger, sure, that's right. Yeah, that makes sense. But, but you, have to, you have to be extremely careful if you don't take this fun, entertaining parable to light, because if you're not careful, it, you, fall in, you, you fall into a couple things. One, you fall into like, I'll take, I'll take this on. I'll be God, since he won't be. And then another thing is you, you become demented by it. It contaminates you. Okay. And that's why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, look at what it says. It's sinful, you know. He says, do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in everyone's eyes. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Peace. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, for you got to leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Those are very hard sentences to actually apply in life. Because when you've been stabbed in the back or stabbed in the front, when you've been violated in some way, when you feel like justice is not getting done, this kind of anger wells up in you. And Jesus comes in by telling kind of a joke. And he says, wait, 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 listen, listen. You should, yeah, go ahead. You keep praying for justice, okay? Yahweh is just. Petition him again and again and again. You feel like you're a helpless, vulnerable widow. Good. Play the only card you've been dealt. Nag. Because if you don't, look at the warning, the very next sentence. Look at the warning. Do not be overcome by evil. Now you're not a victim. You're being overcome by the evil that you're like simmering with. But overcome evil with good. Holding on to your offenses, holding on to seeking revenge, it builds a spiritual bondage in your life. Every, every, every thought of a vindication at your hands is, is, is a devil-sponsored stronghold. And, and with every thought, you're just building that stronghold thicker and taller. Because this is, this is outside of your scope. You can't fix this. Ultimate judgment is at the final judgment because that's where it needs to be. be and and, and you like meditating on that sort of thing and thinking about that, you're playing God is what's happening. You're saying, look, God, if you're not going to get to this or you're, you're probably going to be nice about it, I'm going to think of several ways to do this. And so we walk around, you know, we're church people, so we're seething, but with a smile. We are gritting our teeth and smirking and saying, yes, oh, yeah, I forgive him. God bless him. But inside, we're raging. And Jesus says, you know what? I know. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story, but it's kind of a joke. But maybe you could channel all of that hate, all of that anger, all of that need for justice towards nagging.
And then you could find peace. And maybe then you could rest. Because Yahweh, he's, he's a lot better than this jerk of a judge who doesn't have any fear of God and doesn't care about what anybody thinks. Look, just <laughs> all that meditation on retribution, how about you use that like an old widow or a young widow, actually, probably a young widow, going to this judge, a wicked jerk of a judge, over and over and over again. Use that. Use that, he says. What he's saying is, look, let's just talk about this. Let's just, let's just talk about this. He says, let's pray. Pray always. Look what it says in the sentence. This is, I mean, he tells you what the story's about. He says, look, pray always. Jesus told them a parable about their need. You need this to pray always and do not lose heart. Let me tell you what this parable is. It's a trick. It is a trick. This guy's, I mean, God is talking to us like a very cunning parent. What he's saying is, well, let's talk about that. In other words, you should spend time with me. It's an, this invitation to nag, it's just an invitation to spend time with God because you, you've got to be in his presence to talk to him about it. And in that presence, things, things, things happen. And what's tragic in most of our lives, it's, very, it's somewhat natural, but it's dangerous. When, when we find ourselves uh, in the context of some kind of, of being a victim or we find ourselves in a negative dark spiral downwards, we run away from the things or, or the presence of God. We run away from the sanctuary, the things that bring us close to God. And I think that's why Jesus is saying, look, when you find yourself in the vulnerable state of this, of this widow, don't run away, run too. Just come on, let's talk about this. And we should engage in every practice that brings us into the presence of God. Again, like many of us, when things are not going well, we don't go to church. We don't experience fellowship with other people. We don't read our Bibles. We don't pray. We don't participate in the sacraments or ordinances, right? That's wrong. And oddly enough, people outside the church, when they've tried everything else, they find themselves coming here because they want to figure this out. And God says, yeah, 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 well, you should figure this out in my presence. Because when, you're, when, when, you, when you leave the sanctuary, you are on your own, and the answer's not out there. The answer can't be found outside the presence of God. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to tell you a story, and the point of the story is to motivate you to, to hang in there, but continue to pray. Come into my presence. Come to me. Let's talk about this. You know, Throughout the Bible, you'll see some of the most intimate conversations that God has with the saints is about justice. Because we all have it inside of us, right? It's, we're in the image of God, and it's, it longs back to the days of Eden where all things were just. We long for this. And so God uses that to really connect with people. So Abraham, he has this really intimate meal with Abraham. And then before he leaves, he's getting up and leaving. And he says, you know, he says to one of the angels, hey, let's tell Abraham what we're going to do. We're going into Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham goes, wait, wait, wait a minute. What if there's 40 righteous men or women that can be found in one of these towns? Will you still judge it? Hmm, no. Okay. Well, how about 30? And he just does it. The whole point is they're having a conversation about justice and in that conversation, like, like God, no, like, oh, wow, okay, 40. I haven't thought through that. Thank you, Abraham. 
He doesn't need the conversation. He's allowing Abraham to connect with him. Justice is about to be brought to the people of Israel when they're out in the desert under Moses' leadership. And Moses comes in and says, let's talk about justice, shall we? In the presence of the Lord, right? In his, in his sanctuary. Let, let's talk about justice. God, if you kill everyone off before they even get to the promised land, your reputation, he does care about what other people think. What is your reputation going to be? And God says, oh, right, yeah. Well, man, I'm... I'm lucky to have you, Moses, uh, nagging me and all like this. And they get connected in this. How many of you know of a Bible character named Asaph? Let me see your hands. Okay, you don't want to, you kind of, you have to earn this, okay? Asaph is mentioned in Psalm 73. He's got a famous psalm. And Asaph, his faith it is spiraling out of control. He is accelerating into the ground. He's on life support, and man, there's a power outage. And here's why. It's because the righteous are suffering, and the wicked are being rewarded. And Asaph is twisted up. And it doesn't look good for him at all. Like he, like he has a really great case but he's gone into the presence of the Lord and he's stating his case. And then boom, verse 17, Psalm 73 says, and then I entered into the sanctuary of God and I got connected. In the presence of God, Asaph, hey, Asaph, hey, what, what's going on? Well, I came in here to, wow, oh, uh, what? I, 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 can't, I can't remember It's good to be here, though. It's a trick. Pray always about justice. He just wants you to be in his presence. John uh, White, he's kind of of an older guy, but he's a famous Christian counselor. He's written a lot of books. He wrote a book called The Mask of Melancholy. And it's kind of his story. There's a section of it. It's about his story descending into depression and how dark it became in his life. But he knew not to leave the sanctuary. And so he turned up the volume in some of his disciplines of the presence of God. And I don't know why he did this. I would have chosen differently. But he decides to study with great detail the book of Hosea. And he studies every day for months. Like, and then he gets into the original languages. And, and okay, so it's dry as dirt. But the dirt belongs to God, and it's in the presence of the sanctuary. And after months go by, the clouds part, and he can see again clearly. But the point is, it's because he dedicated himself to being in the presence of God in his sanctuary. And this is, this, this is Jesus calling. He's calling to the altar. He's saying that with Father's arms open wide, come on, come on, pray about this. Read the Bible, go to church, interact with other believers. Don't leave, stay. Let's just nag it out. In his presence, you get to see him. And in his presence, you get to see the big picture. You see what God is up to. And in what God is up to is you see there's a final judgment coming. And this final judgment that comes, it brings dignity to to all mankind because it honors our freedom. Final judgment says, like every, like almost every unnoticed humble action that you are participating in, it doesn't go unnoticed. 
right? And every violation of, of evil is, being, is going to be accounted for. You, you, can, you can be calm and, and at peace knowing about this final judgment. The vindication, vindication is in, in the timeline of all human history, okay, in the timeline of all human history, the next big God thing is vindication. After that comes eternity and living out all of that. And, and in, in, in the Christian view, this final judgment that's next, that's where it says, it says, look, all of history is actually moving to a purpose and a point. That's what we get to say. We get to say there is a story, there is an author, it has a plan, it's going somewhere, it's going to this final judgment where people are rewarded or otherwise for their decisions. It, the final judgment proves that God is triumphal and so is all of goodness. It, the final judgment says that evil will absolutely be dealt with authoritatively, completely, and forever dealt with. Final judgment says this, God's will, it will be done. It has been done. There are two judgments in the Bible that are mentioned. One is, uh, who's your king? Who's your savior? The other one is, what have you done with all this freedom? And so every human being in 1 Corinthians, it says, 2 Corinthians, it says, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be received what is due to him for the things that we've done while we're in the body, whether good or bad. That, and so, I mean, it's a funny parable, but, I mean, this could be a serious time. How are you living? If you live the next year with the values and the priorities and right, your, the worldview that you might have, your use of time and gifts and talents, How's that going to do on Judgment Day if you do this for another year or another 10 years or 30? You're going to receive a well-done, good and faithful servant or, wow, nothing remains or very little. I mean, don't get me wrong. You could hear this. Man, you made a mess of your life. But look at all that you did to make things right. Look at, look at all that you did to take responsibility. For as much as it was up to you, yeah, you were at peace with all men every chance you could. So, you know, today, make a choice. Are you living for the, in light of this parable? In this parable, it's, Jesus is saying, look, God is just. He's better than a wicked judge. And so we should keep praying. And then the last thing he's trying to emphasize here is you should stay faithful. You stay faithful. The last thing is, this, is finally you have to wait for justice. Look what he says in the last couple of verses. These are hard these days. And, and will not God uh, grant justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Yeah. Will he delay long in helping them? The answer is supposed to be no. I tell you. He will quickly grant justice to, uh, to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? As sand goes through the hourglass or century glass, it is hard to see that justice is coming soon, right? And, and the idea here, especially when Luke writes about this, is, is that justice and final judgment, it, it is eminent. It's at any time. But come on. The return of Jesus, oh, it's certain, but it's been a long time. 
And that's the point. Do not grow weary in nagging God. That's what he's saying. Do not grow weary in nagging God about justice. He doesn't grow tired of hearing about it. Will there be faith when Jesus returns? Faith in what? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Justice. Faith is the conviction of things that you don't see right now, like vindication. And when Jesus returns, he's wondering, hey, is that still alive in our hearts? Because Jesus told a funny little story that kind of makes fun of us if we think otherwise. Faith in the justice of God, in the holiness and the righteousness of God should give us peace. It should give us rest because God is not a judge that's a jerk. He is God Almighty. There's a great story of a man that had a grasp of this. He, uh, in 1851, he was an English missionary. His name was Alan uh, Gardner. And his mission was to go and start a new movement in South America. And his mission group and, and his whole group that went, they were shipwrecked. And they were deserted on an isle, island. And on that island, as the days and the weeks and the months passed, they couldn't feed themselves. And eventually, they all died, very painfully, of malnutrition. Years later, they find his remains, and they find a journal. And here's, here's the journal of a man that never got to do one day of missions work who died far away from his family. They never actually knew what happened to him until years go by. And, and, and he prayed, oh, Lord, rescue me. And God said, no, I won't. His last journal article was from Psalm 34, where he says, he's quoting Psalm 34, 10, where he says, young, young lions, they lack and they go hungry, but, but those who seek Yahweh will never want for anything good. And this is the last sentence penned by his shaking hand about that sentence. He says, I am overwhelmed with a sense of the goodness of God. There's a man that knows. There's a man that has faith in the justice and the vindication of the holiness of God. He never left God's presence. He continually nagged until the day he died and he lived a life of great faith. He died a death of great faith. We should do the same. Let's live that life. Let's pray for that. Lord Jesus, we are grateful. We are grateful for these kind of stories that help us kind of stare at ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves, who do we think you are? And why do we, why do we act otherwise? Lord, let, let this joke, let, let us get the last laugh. Let us become a people of resolve about your goodness. And your goodness includes justice. And there will be an accounting. And you will make all things right. And that judgment day, we brag about that like we brag about your love because you can't be loving without justice. So, Lord, I'd ask that when we grow weary 
in doing good, that we would not grow weary in nagging you. Lord, if there are people here that are fighting continual thoughts of revenge and vindication, they look for opportunities to celebrate when their, quote, enemies have failed or suffer. Lord, I'd ask that you would convict them, that they would see that they are building or have built a stronghold, and they would release that to you, and they would put you in charge of the universe and in charge of justice, and they would find peace, peace in your goodness and your nature. Lord, let us be a people like that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.